Welcome to No Ad, No Problem, a podcast devoted to college tennis and growing the game. Check us out on Twitter at JTweetsTennis and Instagram at No Ad, No Problem. I'm your host, John. Let's serve it up. Hey, everyone. Joining me on today's show, fresh off of winning USC's fourth straight Pac-12 tournament title, is senior Stefan Dostanich. Stefan is a two-time All-American, the 2022 Pac-12 Player of the Year, and 2023 preseason number one player in the country. And as of today, Stefan and doubles partner Brad Fry were named your 2023 Pac-12 Doubles Team of the Year. Stefan, congratulations on all of your recent success, and thank you so much for being our first player interview. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Yep, thank you. Excited to be on here. So I think the place we have to start is with the recent Pac-12 tournament title. For a program as storied as USC, it's not often you get a lot of firsts, but this was the first time that you have won Pac-12 tournament title four straight times, never been done before. Even in the regular season, the USC Trojans have not won four straight titles on the regular season side. What did that mean for you and the program? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a big accomplishment. Um, and yeah, overall, we're just super thrilled. Um, doesn't really get better than that, to be honest. And, you know, you've now never lost a singles match in the Pac-12 tournament title, and you've now gotten familiar with winning in Ojai. But this was also the first year that USC won the regular season during your time. I have to assume it's extra special to kind of get the sweep of both the regular season and the tournament title. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, like you said, this is my first time winning the regular season title. And uh, that was something our coach enforced. Um, he kind of told us that for the past three years, like every time we hadn't won the Pac-12 title, but we had won the Pac-12 tournament. Um, so that was kind of one of our points of emphasis was to try to get both of those. And I'm really happy we did. And what do you think has really clicked for you all? You mentioned not getting the regular season title, but you know this year getting both regular season and the tournament title. What's really been clicking for you and the rest of the team down the home stretch of this 2023 season? Um, but yeah, obviously having learner helps out a lot. Uh, that's yeah. someone that just adds to our lineup, adds to our depth. But I think overall, we're just kind of building more as a team, getting closer, becoming more comfortable with all the guys. Um, like I said, learner, great addition and he's you can see him kind of starting to get comfortable with all the guys he's he's been around us for a while now so i think the off-court stuff also helps with the on-court stuff so i think we're just really moving in the right direction yeah absolutely you mentioned learner tn for those who don't know he's the 2022 kalamazoo champion runner-up at the 2023 australian open junior boys event there And it's been interesting this season as someone who follows college tennis, there have been a lot of storylines about eligibility. You see Diana Schneider uh, from NC State with her WTA ranking in the top 100. You see Jack Pennington-Jones for TCU. But I think no player's eligibility was in question as long throughout the course of the season as learners. What was that like for you and the rest of the team to be in that limbo state for so long during the regular season? um yeah it was, it was definitely a weird time you know at first when he first came over we we're like okay he might have a little bit of issues with his eligibility so we expected it to not really take too long so um kind of when we got into longer formations i guess or longer parts of of him not being able to play for us like it almost became like a new team in a way and um 
we kind of were just really focused on ourselves. We didn't really really dwell on the fact that we didn't have learned or we didn't look at it negatively. So I think we learned to just like accept how it was. And now that learner's back, that's just a that's just an addition to what our team had. So um, I think we looked at something that just very positive for us. Yeah. And does it feel like a, a new start to the season almost with like a new jolt of energy into the lineup there? Definitely. Definitely. I think guys are excited. Like it's just, it's just really good to have someone like that on our, on your team. And it's just going to bring with it a lot of positive energy. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine though, one challenge that could come with that is in doubles. I know you all have kind of changed up the doubles lineups during this last few regular season matches and into the Pac-12 tournament title. Doubles, as college tennis fan knows, is one of the most unique aspects of the game. You know, how has how have you all adjusted with learner factoring into the doubles lineup? What has that done for that doubles point for you? Um, well, I think it just adds depth to our doubles. Um, he's obviously a very good doubles player. I think he he won the, the Australian Open, I think, in doubles, right? Yeah. So he's definitely definitely knows what he's doing on doubles court. And it's a little bit of a transition because we've been trying out new new teams, you know, like for the first time now in my whole college career, I'm not playing with Brad. So that's that's a little bit different. But um I think we've got we found some good combinations and uh yeah. So I'm I'm excited for moving forward. I know you just get the award for Pac-12 uh, doubles team of the year back to back. And all of a sudden you look in the lineup and you and uh, Ryan Colby are playing down there, not at number one. That must be a weird feeling both for you and Brad to have a little bit of a breakup uh, down the home stretch here. Um, but it's great to see Lerner. I think, um, you know, college tennis fans were all excited about that possibility. It's great to see um, him get eligible. Uh, you never want to see those issues kind of prolong that long. So I want to shift gears and kind of focus about the early, you know, years of your USC career, because, you know, as someone who's followed college tennis, it's been really remarkable to see your growth from, you know, helping to clinch ITA indoors your freshman year, all the way to the remarkable season you had last year uh, in your junior year. And in those first three years, you really did a lot of winning. You were 43 and six. And, you know, you make a big jump from the 2021 season where you were playing number three behind veterans like Riley Smith and Daniel Kukerman to that number one position. And you end up going 17 and one in dual matches. What was that transition like just purely on court from going to the number three singles position all the way up to number one? Um, It's definitely something that I was excited for. Like, I definitely look forward to it. Um, You know, USC always got strong singles players at the top of the lineup. So it wasn't really a surprise that I wasn't playing like very high my freshman, sophomore year. But um, like I said, like, I was just very excited and like honored to be playing the number one singles at the school. So it was definitely a good time. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, former college tennis greats uh, have held that number one spot at USC. I imagine, though, it's not just the transition on the court. I imagine that you have to make adjustments when you transition into that, you know, top court off the court as well. There's sort of like a de facto leadership role that you step into. And I'm sure that you all felt that missing once Riley and, you know, Kukerman left. Talk a little bit about the adjustments you had to make off court as well once you kind of stepped into more of a leadership role on the team yeah so going into my junior year that was with me well when uh daniel and riley ended up leaving the team those guys were it was like daniel riley brand were the main guys we looked up to my freshman year and then we ended up losing brandon so the next year was just daniel and riley and then there was a weird point where it was then me and brad you know the team captains and kind of showing the younger guys how to do everything 
So, um, yeah, like I said, like I enjoyed it. Definitely a weird, a weird time. Um, when I first transitioned into it, but just trying to like show the better or show the younger guys, like how it's done, like how we're doing all the trainings and then just trying to better them as well. Yeah. Well, it certainly paid off last year was, you know, such a success for you again, Pac-12 player of the year, 39 singles matches. I think this USC Trojan might be familiar to you. Most wins since 2010, 2011, uh, by Stevie J. So, uh, really great success that you then were able to propel into the pro tour. So last summer, you know, you joined the kind of USTA collegiate summer team and you translate that success onto the pro tour. You go out there, you make the finals of the Tulsa 25K, your first pro event that year. You also final a 25K later in that summer. I know during your course of pro events last summer, you face a lot of familiar faces from the you know collegiate ranks. And there's no doubt that you know the best players like yourself can go out and immediately have success at that level. You also played some challenger events and you were able to qualify for the uh, Lexington Challenger, make it through qualifying. What are the biggest differences that you see between you know, collegiate players at the, the elite level and also uh, compared to the, the challenger level? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I really don't think there's like too big of a difference between um, the challenger level guys and the top level guys in, in the in college. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing that there is that they're just more consistent with their habits, with their results, their tennis. There's less ups and downs. Um, and yeah, they could just do a week in, week out. You know, college tennis, you're playing during season, you're playing one or two singles matches a week. And, and it's easy to have good results then for the most part. But when you're doing it day in, day out, playing a tournament every week, that's when it's really tough to have consistent results. And that's what those guys are really good at. I've heard, um, you know, Mike Cation, who does a lot of the broadcasts for the Challenger Tour, talk about one of the differences being exactly that, where in college, you might need to get up two days a week, right, for big matches. Maybe you're playing Friday, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, where, you know, when you go out on tour, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you got to show up every day. Um, And that's one of the biggest adjustments. But good to hear on the on the game side that you think that the level is um, is fairly applicable. What were your biggest learnings from this past summer? It felt like the first time you played kind of an extended period of time, um, you know, back to back pro events. What did you take away from that experience, both in terms of the stuff you needed to work on the court on, but also off court? Yeah. Um, well, that was honestly probably one of my biggest lessons was learning how consistent like those guys need to be. Um, even when I was in high school, uh, I really wouldn't play like too hectic, hectic of a schedule, like in terms of tennis. It would be really just a couple of tournaments uh, throughout the year. Not too much. Like, I never really did the ITF tour, never really did like those long extended trips. So playing, I think it was seven weeks over some was was a big change and it was, I definitely saw just how hard it was um, to be, just be out there day in, day out, like be away from home, just on the grind. Like it's, it's a lot tougher than people think. So um, just kind of adapting to that and then hopefully using that knowledge to further help me when I'm trying not to go out there pro again. Yeah. And how important or helpful was it to have kind of the collegiate team with you? I'm sure guys that you've known for many years up through juniors kind of almost like a, a traveling pack you are. Uh, and then you also have some of the coaching support as well. How much did that help in kind of alleviating some of the, Hey, I'm on the road for a few weeks at a time. I'm missing home. How big of a benefit was that? Exactly. I mean, that was huge. Uh, 
getting to travel there with Rich as well, like my coach back at SC, that made it a lot easier. I had a familiar face with me, but just being with other guys, like it's it's great to be a part of a team. That's why that's what makes college tennis uh, college tennis so so awesome. And um, yeah, it kind of felt like a little bit you're on the team, you're all kind of rooting for each other in the tournament. So it was just it was really nice to have like a little bit of a support system with you there. Yeah, absolutely. And so you you have all that success both in the 2022 dual season and on the pro tour. And then, you know, you come back into college and you enter 2023 as preseason number one. In fact, both you and USC's Aaron Cayetano on the women's side also kind of earned that distinction. How special was it to kind of reach the pinnacle of college tennis, but also do it with someone that I'm sure you have been seeing, you know, day in, day out for many years, both on the court and off? Yeah. Um, well, it was great. Like I said, um, I never said, but um, getting that number one ranking is uh, definitely one of my goals, like moving into college. And um, so being able to achieve that was obviously a great, great achievement for myself. And doing with Aaron was equally just as good. You know, you always want to see USC doing well. Um, and Aaron, like I've known her, like you said, since I was seven, eight years old, honestly. So I've known her for a while. Great girl. So I couldn't be happier for her as well. Yeah, I thought it was a super, super special moment for both you and Aaron to kind of reach that pinnacle. Both of you had such amazing, you know, years looking back the last 52 weeks. Um, you mentioned, you know, being close with Aaron from juniors. How close are you and the the women's team? I noticed that a lot of the really successful teams, particularly as you think down the home stretch in NCAAs, I look at the Texas teams who seem to be quite close and cheering each other on. Uh, how close are, are you and the women's team? Yeah, we're all pretty good friends. Um, like like you said, we we do go and cheer each other on at matches. I wouldn't say we spend the most time together, probably like some of these other teams, but we definitely have a good relationship with them, and we're always cheering them on. Wherever they're playing at home, we're stopping by their matches, they're stopping by our matches. So definitely a good relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. So given the, the form that you entered into the 2023 season uh, with, I was a little surprised, and I say this lovingly, uh, to see some of the early season results that you had. It felt like there was a little bit of a dip in form. What wasn't working for you as well, you know, in the fall last year and kind of bleeding into the early part of this season? Uh, and what have you done to kind of turn around those results? Um, I don't think it was necessarily a drop in like my my level. Um, I think probably just a little, maybe in my motivation a little bit. I definitely felt burnt out after playing the summer. Mm. Yeah. Um, just like, like I said earlier in the, in the interview, um, just playing, just playing those like seven, eight weeks in a row. It's really taxing mentally, physically. And, um, yeah, I think I just wasn't really prepared for it as well as I could have been, you know, like I, I've never been, uh, I never really did the junior circuit. So I wasn't really familiar with how that worked being away from home for so long and just being on the grind. So definitely a lot tougher than I thought it would be. And yeah, definitely took some, some negative, uh, or not negative, but some bad losses over the fall. I think, uh, definitely a lot better headspace in terms of how I feel on court. You know, I've been training very hard. The guys on the team are pushing me as well. So just have a great support system with me right now. And, um, yeah, teams all pushing each other. We're all very hungry to do well. Yeah. And you, know, you talk about that hunger. It's a good transition to NCAAs, which is kind of the the time of the year that you work all year for. You talked about kind of the what has to be a pretty jarring transition going from playing in in Tulsa and you know these places you know that are not home for you, and then transitioning to the fall and 
you know, it's a, it's a tough transition back to school, but here it's, it's peak college tennis season. It's peak, you know, all the guys around you team environment. So USC comes in as the number 10 seed this year, which means you get to host the first two rounds of NCAAs. You'll face Idaho in the first round on Friday, and then the winner of San Diego and Santa Barbara. Talk to me about the preparation between winning the Pac-12 tournament title and NCAAs. Are you still fine-tuning things in the game and doubles? Is it more about getting in a fitness block before NCAAs? What is the focus between the conference tournament and NCAAs? Mm. Um, You know, I definitely wouldn't say it's it's, uh, like a training block. I'd say we're definitely just like, we're just prepping, getting ready mentally to, to go to war, honestly. And um, it's nice to win the Pac-12, but once the real tournament starts, the NCAA tournament, we just kind of put that behind us and we reset. And we just make sure we're not we're not um, already happy with our results that we've had so far. We keep having that hunger and, um, yeah, just mentally prepare for every, every, uh, for every round like it's our last match. Yeah. So some people might argue that you come into this tournament maybe underseated, particularly after the addition of Lerner Tien. And one of the changes that has happened over the past few years in college tennis is not only do you host the first two rounds if you're you know a top 16 seed, but you get to host the Sweet 16 if you're a top eight seed. During the season, how closely do you monitor kind of whether or not you're in that top eight range and maybe able to host uh, the potential Sweet 16? Um, well, honestly, I was looking at it, uh, a good amount because, uh, our graduation is actually, if we, I think if we hosted, we would have been able to stay for graduation. Okay. So, um, I won't be there, but hopefully we'll be in Ann Arbor uh, or wherever it would be. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I think it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty significant advantage to be playing at home. You know, everyone wants to be playing at home, playing in front of their own fans. So I definitely had my eye on that and I was hoping, but turned out to not be the case and just got accepted and get ready for the match then. Yeah. And you talk about that advantage. You've you're in a unique position where despite them, you know, having the sweet 16 already in place uh, during your time in 2021, they actually moved the sweet 16 all to Orlando. So you've experienced kind of playing the sweet 16 in Orlando, but then last year you all go on the road to Columbus. Talk a little bit about kind of the home court advantage that being in Columbus offers and probably other schools versus playing that you know virginia match in 2021 on a neutral court yeah like it's a, it's definitely a big advantage yeah. um ohio state definitely packed the house when we played them and they're on their own courts so they're really familiar with with how the ball is or how the how the court plays so playing at their place wasn't wasn't probably our favorite thing but uh that's just the way i happen to be in playing virginia in orlando is definitely just a completely different game. I mean, there weren't nearly as many fans rooting against us. We definitely had some people out there for us as well. And we're, we're both on neutral court, so it kind of takes away the advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know the USC fans travel pretty well, so I'm sure you had a decent contingent there uh, in that 2021 match that helped propel you to get to the quarterfinals there. That would have been your sophomore season. You still have a lot of work to do. You talked about the NCAAs and kind of taking this one day at a time, but you mentioned graduation, but I also noticed you did not have a senior day. Have you decided if you are coming back for your fifth year? No, not 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 a uh, not 100% yet. No. Okay. 
Not so yet. The thing is, I'm waiting to see how summer goes, and then I'll probably decide based on that. Okay. Makes sense. Are you planning to do a similar summer to what you did last year in terms of kind of a similar pro schedule? Probably, yes. Okay. Cool. Well, I did wish you all the best of luck. If you do go to Ann Arbor, I know that will be a highly anticipated matchup, but you guys have the experience of last year and no tougher place to play than Columbus. And uh, I just hope it's outdoors. So you guys get to play uh, some outdoor tennis. All right. So we're going to close here with just some quick questions for you. Kind of a rapid fire. All right. uh, Most difficult opponent that you've played in your college tennis career? Very. So you guys have played like 17 times. It's been quite the back and forth. Uh, what do you think makes that matchup so difficult for the both of you? Because it's really gone back and forth. Yeah, well, he's a very consistent player, takes the ball early. This doesn't really give you many free points. So that definitely makes it tough for me. I think I, and he comes to net a lot as well. And he's very good at net. So um, I think I win my points generally by controlling the point, playing heavy going for my shots and then he's he's very uh consistent just doesn't go away so it's, it definitely makes for a good battle every time yeah absolutely i think that the servant for him was working for you in ohio maybe a little quicker courts there uh yeah. played to your advantage all right most memorable team win national indoors your freshman season yeah that uh, yeah that's uh certainly a memorable one national title all right moving on to two changes in college tennis and college overall that won't impact you directly but i'm curious to get your thoughts for or against moving the ncaa individuals to the fall four okay any uh one to two sentence explanation why i just like towards the end of the towards the end of the season there's just a lot going on with the team and then you also got the individuals right after yeah um in the fall it also makes people want to stay a full year in college then um and yeah it just kind of it feels right just with the team being in the maybe in the in the fall it would just be all individual and then in the yeah. spring could be all team yeah i think the split between individual and team makes a lot of sense i think it's clearer for fans of like it's all individual stuff here and then you don't have to worry about the hey if we play clinch then you know you versus fairy doesn't get to finish the implications on ranking yeah. like that yeah. sort of stuff gets uh gets annoying Okay. How about your initial thoughts when you found out that USC was moving to the Big Ten? Weird. Yeah. Like, I mean, it makes sense for the football programs. Yeah. But but just in general, for all sports, even, it's going to be tough, like having to fly there, fly back when we're the only West Coast schools, I guess, us in UCLA as of right now. Yeah, it's very strange. I think both of us are California natives, and it's going to be very strange. I hope that, at least on the tennis side, I do hope that, I mean, you look at Coach Macy's scheduling this year, he doesn't shy away from anybody. So I'm sure he will still schedule all of the, you know, the Stanfords of the world. So I, I hope uh, yeah. and I look forward to those those schedules. But yeah, the travel is going to be tough, certainly. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question for or against no ad scoring in college. Wait, no ad scoring in college? Yeah. Are you you oh, fan oh, of it? Oh, as in yeah. how it is already. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. What what do you find you gain from it playing it in college and then going out on the pro tour and playing, you know, no ad, or ad scoring? Mm-hmm. I think it just helps me lock into the more. Just helps me lock in, lock into the match uh, more so than I would if I just played always with ad yeah. um, with with the with the deuce point. You can't really let up on a 40, 15, 40, 30. 
all of a sudden, you know, it's a deuce point, then it's anyone's point. And uh, I think that helped me when I did play the pros and I'd be a lot more locked in. I wouldn't, I would give away a lot less free points um, towards those like random times, I guess. So I definitely like it. Yeah. It feels like it increases the pressure on, on every point from the fan perspective. It's like 40, 30 is still a huge point, right? Because if it's, you know, if you lose that point, then it's a deuce point and um, you know, the momentum can certainly swing. All right. Well, that closes out our kind of quick questions. Uh, Stefan, you know, I will let you go. This has been such a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on the show, kind of being our, our first player interview. Uh, it's been awesome to see kind of your growth over these four years. Uh, where can people find you online to continue to follow, you know, and learn more about your successes? Um, probably to my Instagram, OKC Stefan. <laughs> All right, there you go. OKC Stefan, best of luck this weekend at minimum. I hope to see you in Orlando for individuals. Really appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much, Stefan. Yeah, thank you.